Andrew Claudio. What's up, gentlemen? Yeah. Glad we could uh, finally make this happen after a couple months of phone tag or Twitter Twitter DM tag and (laughs) taking trips to the hospital and canceling on you guys. Exactly. He's literally been through the entire gamut of everything that you could possibly go through to get on a podcast. So kudos to you. I appreciate it, man. I finally made it. Where's my award? Exactly. We're gonna we're gonna give you some type of SP or something. We we're we're actually at the end of the month we're gonna think of podcast awards. You're definitely gonna get the best one, whatever that is, MVP for what I you've been through. Wow, I haven't even I've been on the podcast for forty seconds and I already get an award. That's exactly. Like, some type of come get get me down. <laughs> it's just on, offense right off the bench. So we're uh, if you don't exactly. know, Andro Claudio is also a personality with Gotham Sports Network, and probably the most entertaining, I think. Of the of the three that I've seen, I know there's oh. you, there's uh, a dad, Ethan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, Ethan's gonna be upset about that one. No, yeah, you you, you can tell him I said it. Tell tell Ethan I said hey, it. I will. I'm I'm texting him right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's also uh, the other Knicks dude, uh, Jeremy Cohen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think of all the people, you're probably my favorite to to like look at the articles that you write and the the podcast that you do. So I'm a fan of that. I appreciate it, man. Believe me, I appreciate that. Yeah, so tell people, like, how did you actually get into, like, covering the Knicks, doing the podcast? Very interested in that. So when I first started at Gotham, it was January 2016. I had been out of college for six months, and I more was just looking for someplace local, like someplace in New York. I'd gone to college in Virginia, so I was looking to do something back in New York, mm-hmm. um, and so so Ethan, who we had just interacted a few on Twitter, like I'm not even sure how we started following each other, but I had just started sending my resume everywhere, and I saw that they were gaining a following from the reading side of things, and so I just hit, literally just hit him up with a DM, hey, this is my credentials, here's my resume, do you have room to, to work on podcasts? And apparently Ethan had always wanted to start a podcast network, and so uh, one thing led to another. We started fiddling around with a, an idea for a podcast network. We worked on his Sixth Borough podcast, which then led to a Mets and a Yankee show, and then a Jets and a Giants show. And once we finally had a sustainable podcast network, I then said, hey, could I take over the Knicks show? Like, Could I launch that? And he gave me the okay. And we launched in, I think, the day before – the season started last season, and the podcast has kind of taken off on me. We're number seven on iTunes in Knicks-related shows, which is crazy. A, a gigantic quali- – it's a qualified compliment or qualified ranking because it's like the Knicks portion of iTunes, but wow. I'll take it. It's uh, It's been fun, though. It's it's a lot th- something I love to do regardless of how the team is, you know, or the drama that they put Knicks fans through. Right? Thank you. It's, it's fun to do. And that was going to be my next know? question. Like, so, so a lot of people do podcasts or like general sports podcasts, so they don't have to always, you know, wallow in the misery that is a perennially <laughs> mediocre to awful team. So how do you how do you manage that, you know, to stay involved and stay engaged with the team that probably doesn't love you back? So 
so how do I deal with the depression? Isn't there five stages to this <laughs> grief, you know? So here's what I'll say. I mean, you just said it as far as everybody has a, a sports podcast. There are a million sports podcasts that are just generic out there. And I've always thought uh, that you need to be, you need to have a niche. So when it comes to our show, yeah, the Knicks, I'm a Knicks fan. I've been a Knicks fan since about 97. So I like, I've seen when they were good. I've seen when they've contended for a championship and we're so far removed from that. But like, this is our niche is to talk about this team, even if it's just therapy to talk about, mm. you know, getting through the, the era of the triangle or they're actually tried to trade Chris Stapps Porzingis. Like that was a Jeez. thing guys. They actually were going to trade Chris Stapps Porzingis if a deal presented itself. And, um, you know, it's like I said, it's it's more cathartic to get it off my chest when when yeah. a team that I care about is doing things that I disagree with. And since it's not just a generic sports podcast, we are able to kind of develop a following through that because people come to us because they know we're going to rant and rave about the Knicks when they do stuff wrong, when they do stuff right. So, yeah, yeah it worked out that way. OK. And so I can get right into it because this is going to be my therapy, my little catharsis. It's crazy that Dude, God, let it out. it's crazy that we've been trying to schedule this podcast for like, I want to say like a month or two months. And my thinking mm -hmm. was, you know what, you know, we'll push it back. And the further we push it back, like the drama will subside. There will be less news stories. <laughs> the Knicks barely have a draft pick. We're not in the playoffs. So this will be an easy, it'll be easy to digest everything that, that's going on. And I want to say, I don't think there's been a week that's gone by where they haven't dominated the news headlines for some type of incompetence or negativity. And that's impressive. Buffoonery, yeah. Like, I can't um, get over... What's it called? I think... Oh, my gosh. Just, you know, from from the uh, Phil Jackson media beefs to finally firing him and then the fans... Surprising me, fans actually splitting over whether or not they like the Phil Jackson firing to just Frank sitting out the entire... Frank Til uh, Nilakina sitting out the entire summer league with potentially a, a knee problem? I, I don't know. I don't know right now. Well, I'll say this. I, I like Nilakina. I think the reason they drafted him was kind of wrong because it was Phil Jackson saying he's a good point guard that will work in the triangle. And I, I hated that logic. However, I knew that they were heavily scouting him. And so I did the YouTube deep dive of going and watching as much French video as I could. <laughs> and the guy's crazy athletic. He has a seven foot wingspan. His specialty is defense, which we haven't had in a player, let alone a point guard mm -hmm. in the last 20 years. Like since Charlie Ward was the best defensive point guard that we've had in 20 years. So no, Shumper's kind Shumper of more wasn't so. a point guard though. Yeah. That's also that's true. Thing. Like when you look at Shumper, yeah, yeah. His specialty was defense, but he was more, or more of a wing protector and you could never give him the ball. Like, this is a guy that can run your offense and then be the first back on defense to shut down all the different point guards in the league. So even though he was intended to come in and bring the triangle, which I'm, I, I can't, I'm so glad it's gone. I, I just, I can't say it enough. I'm so glad it's gone. Um, but he was intended to do that. He can still come in and be productive. He's a bit of a project. He's only 18 years old, but who had heard of a Porzingis four years ago when they drafted him? True. He had Stephen A. Smith on TV going, we've been hoodwinked, bamboozled. <laughs> Meanwhile, he 
would be the second pick in the draft if you redid it today. Very so true. I, I trust uh, Steve Mills was the guy that scouted Porzingis a couple of years ago and said, we need to take this guy four. And he's the one that scouted Nilakina and said, we need to take this guy yeah. at, at eight. So I'm, I'm going to trust Steve Mills' talent. Uh, at the very scouting least. Of- yeah. I think it was Steve at least Mills. That's and then they okay. had also uh, Clarence Gaines is supposed to be like really important yeah. on the staff too. And so, so this is my one thing. If we could uh, talk about Frank for a little bit, I I, I did the, the YouTube deep dive as well. I know Draft Express had some videos. He had he was a uh, a lot of his finals games got streamed. So I watched a little bit of him playing uh, the point guard and the the shooting guard with his I think it was uh, Strasbourg in France. I don't know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Like you said, very young pick, plenty of time to develop. I don't. I can't think of too many starting level point guards in the past, however many years that came in without the ability to handle the ball at the very least at the NBA level. And when I watch him dribble, when I watch him move with the ball, he brings it up a little bit high. He he's passing off uh, when he faces pressure. I'm wor- I'm not necessarily worried. I'm just not fully confident that I'm looking at our starting point guard in five years. I could see him being. A, you know, maybe a shooting guard. He has a seven-foot wingspan, so that's the benefit. He could play multiple positions if he can't work out as a point guard. I'm just a little bit worried about his future as a point guard. And it's fair. Again, he's a project. Yeah. I, I just keep going back back to what everybody knew about Giannis Antetokounmpo. In, I mean, he was Very the 15th true. pick in the draft, and he was all I knew about him was just this crazy athletic seven-footer who, like, is he a center? Is he a, a power forward? Like, no one knew what he was, and that's why he got called the Greek freak. And then Jason Kidd, one of the smartest things you'd ever seen, and it was a gamble, but they, I forget who they traded. Uh, they traded their point guard last year, and he said, you know what, rest of the season, Giannis is running point. Right? You're just going to run the offense. Yeah, MCW, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So they traded their point guard to make room and just said, Giannis, you take over. You're the, you're the point guard for the rest of the season. We'll just see what happens. We're going nowhere. And it developed into an unstoppable offense. Be- all-star, all-caliber player. Easy. No, like, like, I'd argue he's the second-best player in the conference right now. Now, granted, the Eastern Conference has left Man. something to be desired after yeah. this offseason. <laughs> at the same time, I, I that type of – ability is where i see nilakina can eventually that's his peak is that not he can be giannis because that's a very high expectation but he has those type of athletic unknown qualities and again he's 18 he's a project Mm -hmm. and that's why bringing in rondo would make so much sense to me because you teach him how to run an offense say what you want about rondo and the cancer he can be in a clubhouse sometimes yeah when you know, like there's four things to do in Sacramento. One thing is to play basketball for the one of those things is to play <laughs> basketball for the Kings. So I can't like fault him for that. And in Dallas, he was in a no win situation because he didn't like the coach. Yeah. So he, I mean, at the same same time, Nilakina learning under Rondo, I think, would be a service to him as well as kind of turning Rondo around. He was the best player on the Bulls for the last month of the season mm-hmm. and. If he doesn't get hurt, who knows what happens in that playoff series against the Celtics. So I I think there is a ceiling that makes Nilakina a very good starting point guard in the NBA. However, there is the, the, the 
full floor, the basement of, like you said, him being a backup on a bad team in a few years. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up Rondo. So I've seen a lot of, I know, I think Ian Bagley has been uh, tweeting a lot about the mutual interest between Rajon Rondo and the Knicks. Here's my thing with Rondo. Like, I, I agree with you 100%. He could definitely come in. He could definitely uh, tutor the young people. If anything, he's well-respected by veteran players, young players. Players love him. I think he has – I remember LeBron did a, an ESPN special with Draymond Green, the, uh, the barbershop or whatever it was called, and he talked about how mm-hmm. there are certain – The shop, play, yeah. yeah. the shop. And he was talking about how there are people that – there are players that don't know – they don't know the game of basketball. And there's coaches, he said, who barely know the game of basketball. I think Rajon Rondo has that LeBron James issue where, quote unquote issue, I think he's smarter, he has a better basketball mind than probably 95% of the people that he's working with. And I don't know if Jeff Hornacek has the, the weight yet to get a Rajon Rondo, probably one of the better basketball minds at the very least, you know, to buy into whatever he wants to run if they're losing. And we're kind of expecting them to be losing next season. That's my one worry. I mean, so that might just be the worry of whether Rondo goes there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'll say about about because that's a good point. And I did see the that shop episode about Rondo. Um, what I'll say is this: if you send him to a one year deal, you then can trade him at the the trade deadline and get something back. Like True. there, there's that asset that you can look at him. That's why. Look, I get it, Tim Hardaway Jr. Some people see so much potential in him i don't i don't see it but one of the reasons why i don't like this signing more than anything else is because it means mellow's gone now and mm-hmm. mellow right now would be an expiring con- contract exactly. so if you look at the deadline you could trade him in february and get probably the most assets back you know you could get a, for a couple first round draft picks back for a team that is overachieving like houston and could definitely want to to trade the future and they're going to be handicapped by that Harden contract forever. And, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows if he's even worth it. But that's what I look at with a one-year veteran minute going nowhere. You trade him at the deadline and get a couple assets back. So I feel that. I, I think it's a it, – it's really – like there's really no lo- – it's a no-lose situation to sign him to a one-year deal, you know? Yeah, I'm actually happy you brought this up as well. I, li- I like I like this uh, this back and forth real quick. So you brought up the, the <laughs> Carmelo um, transitions beautiful, and that was probably the thing I had the most frustration with in talking to other Knicks fans. You know, you have the fan base obviously split over whether or not Carmelo's overstayed his welcome, whether or not he'd be better off somewhere else. Some people just uh, Carmelo loyalists. I happen to be one of those. I'm a big fan of him, but. My thing was, even mm-hmm. if you want to trade him, even if you think he's bad for the team, bad for the culture, don't put paint yourself into a corner. I, this is what I think Phil Jackson did. A lot of people criticize him for it. Why paint yourself in that corner? Like, you you can have that conversation, you and Carmelo and the rest of the front office, that, hey, you know, we're going to be start, start looking to trade you. We're, this team's going nowhere. We're, we're going to try to move you. You can have that conversation. But when you let the rest of the league know, now you've painted yourself into this corner, now you have to trade Carmelo over the summer when like kind of like you said, like he's an expiring contract. You could play that market a lot smarter if maybe you extend it a little bit. Maybe you see what the market looks like at the trade deadline. You know, when Houston sees what they have, you know, if, if Chris Paul and James Harden are work, working out like that's something you could look at further in the future instead of by all intents. I'm assuming 
by the time this podcast comes out that right now it's uh, it's a <laughs> Sunday. I don't even have the date right in front of me. It's like July 9th when we're July, recording it. July 9th. July 9th. I think by the time this podcast comes out, Carmelo will be on the Rockets. I think that's almost like a foregone conclusion. So hopefully it works out, but I think they could have played the market a, a lot better in that regard. Yeah, they've completely destroyed his trade value. Phil Jackson, for like a year and a half, had this campaign that he needs to go elsewhere to chase the championship. He had his friends Charlie Rosen and Kevin Ding writing articles mm-hmm. and uh, saying how much he doesn't play defense. He's a ball hog. He's a cancer in the clubhouse. He's a negative influence on Porzingis. And, uh, I mean, if you're a, a competitive team seeing this, if, if all you're going by is, is just what the, the news around Carmelo is, then why are you trading anything important for him? Why are you trading... And this is a guy that can still average 23 points a game in the NBA. This is a guy that still can be productive. Maybe not the best player on your team. Like, if he's your best player, you're a 30-win team like they were the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. If he's your second or third best player, you're probably in very good shape. Exactly. It, I, I This just goes back to how bad a job Phil Jackson did. He legitimately destroyed Carmelo's trade value after giving him the no-trade clause in the first place. Exactly. You know, I, I he had to he had to go on this campaign that in I guess in his mind deterred Carmelo from wanting to stay and tried to do these Zen master voodoo mind games of getting him to try and waive his no trade clause when if anything, Melo in is just as prideful as Phil Jackson and wanted to mm-hmm. prove I can outlast you. Which he did. Yeah. So again, it just <laughs> for however many Carmelo weeks, right? to me. Like, you said you're a Carmelo loyalist, right? Yeah. So I'm in the middle where I see his flaws, but I still think he's, like, one of the five best players to ever wear a Knicks uniform. Like, I I think mm-hmm. it's very – like, we forget that 2013 season and how great he was that year. The only all-star on that team that won 54 games. Yep. And for me, it was the third best team in the NBA. They were 3-1 and one against the Heat, 2-0 and oh against the Spurs – those were the two teams that played in the finals that year. Yeah. If J.R. Smith doesn't get suspended and then have this complete mental collapse, he was the second best player on that team that year. They don't lose to Indiana, and then who knows against the Heat what happened? Because they had played neck and neck with exactly. the Heat all season. So, and if I like, can say one, we thing, forget how good he was. My fault. If I can say one thing to defend J.R. Smith, I will say that apparently there was the report that came after that he had a partial tear in his meniscus around that time too. So just kind of like right. all that injury just stuff mixed with him, you know, just like you said, like mental collapse. Like he just kind of went completely absent. But continue. Well, no, he, there's that is the injury. But the fact of the matter is he got suspended for that one game for the elbow of Jason Terry. <laughs> yeah. And then when he came back, he shot 22% for the last seven games of the playoffs that he yeah. played. So terrible. I more just look at it as he was he was their second best player and, and this team that was built on jump shooting didn't hit jump shots for the last that, that entire Pacers series. Yep. So, like, Carmelo was fine. I still think if they get to the conference finals against the Heat, they were the easily the third best team in the NBA all season. And yet, Knicks fans, I guess not you and me, but they forget about that yep. season. And the entire Melo era was, was a disaster. He's done nothing since he's been here. Like, he wasn't the second in the MVP voting that year. Exactly. You know? So... It's hard to talk to people who just 
see one thing and it's rings culture and how many championships does he have zero oh he's not that good okay so patrick ewing wasn't that good either yeah right because he played in the same era as michael jordan right and people forget probably like top five carmelo games for me and it came in a loss but his first i think it was his first game or second game uh after getting uh when he had been traded that year had been traded here and they were in the playoffs against the, the i think the Celtics were just coming off the championship uh, Game two, yeah. He put yeah, up something like what, like 19, 46, yeah. 19 rebounds, six assists, two blocks, and was like one fumbled like Jared Jeffries bump like from from winning from winning the game yeah. <laughs> on the at, at TD Garden. Like that game was incredible. And you had Steve Kerr announcing going off like this is this is why you trade for a superstar. This is this is what they do. That's probably top five Carmelo games. Yeah, you could do a whole thing on just top five Carmelo games. You know, the the Easter Day yep. game against the Bulls where he hit the three to send it into overtime, then the three in overtime to win it. That's that that to me is still the the moment I was like, All right, I'm glad we got him. Like yeah, right. this this validates what this team could become. Matter know? of fact, okay, let's let's do this real quick. Me being my Carmelo loyalist self, if you had to do a top three Carmelo games. Well, one for me is that Easter Day game. Okay. Uh, that that to me, I like that's the first time I was still in college at the time, so I didn't get to watch a lot of Knicks games, ex- unless they were on national TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one for me. Uh, for two, I gotta go the the sixty-two point game. The guy had thirty-seven yeah. points at halftime, and Crazy. he did. It couldn't miss. Like he he got that six-second point. With ten minutes left in the th- in the fourth quarter, like if if the Bobcats were at all still in the game, he could have gotten seventy five, eighty 70. easily. Um, so that'd be t- e- easily. Um, the th- third. Ooh, I gotta think. Um, he's had a couple of buzzer beaters. I guess the the, the one that sticks out is a fifty point game he had against the Heat in uh, in twenty thirteen. Oh, I think yeah. it was the fourth game they played against the Heat and it it won the season series it meant they were 2-0 in Miami that year uh you know there's that there's the Celtic game you mentioned um I just pick a buzzer beater and that's probably the one he had against yeah, the right. Sixers earlier this year I'd say uh uh that, oh, that's the, the thing that people don't realize like uh, I think he finished with 37 something like mm-hmm. something close to that um but yeah he he's just on, just because he doesn't play the most defense, because he works the hardest on offense mm-hmm. of anybody on this team, because he never had a second option until Porzingis showed up. And you're not going to—that's the other thing. You're not just going to hand the keys over and say, "Hey, go, go be Scottie Pippen to a, an 18-year-old." Exactly. You know? So I completely understand why Carmelo doesn't always just say, "Okay, Porzingis, run the team." You know? So. Yeah. So I'll say one game that I think goes underrated and might be top three for me is the game where he, uh, I think he officially passed Kevin Durant for the scoring title that year where they won 54 games. Like he scored something like, I think it was, I just YouTubed it. He scored 36 to Kevin Durant's 27 <laughs> passed him by like 0.1 or 0.2 in the league points per game. And then they also just, I think that's when they swept the thunder 2-0 in the season series. So it was like, it kind of was that the game in OKC? Yeah. And then I think like Raymond Felton had that yeah, slap yeah, pass okay. J.R. Smith at the very end to to clinch it. It was that's probably one of the top for me also. It was like this is 
two, arguably the two best scorers in the NBA going at it, Carmelo coming out the better. I was like, this is this is official for me. Like, you, you put your stamp on that. This will tell you how, how delusional a Knicks fan I was back then. I was at a con- a school conference in Las Vegas. Humble, humble brag, humble brag. Um, <laughs> and we were in a in like a seminar, and I was watching the the like score update on like the game cast on ESPN on my phone, and I'm fist pumping my chair, and people are wondering like, <laughs> what is this kid from Virginia doing? And I just like I'm. I think the Knicks, it was like 128 to 120 was a final or something like that. But mm. like I, I, I was in tune to the team as best I could under the budget that I had, you know. So it was – that 54-win season to me is still one of my favorite seasons ever as, as a Knicks fan. So. Yeah, I feel that. Like I feel like, yeah, it holds a special place in a lot of – well, I can't say a lot of people's hearts because like you said, a lot of people try to gloss over it because they've been so frustrated. Well, the Knicks. Knicks fans that, that like Carmelo, it's their one validation yep. for guys. <laughs> yep. Won fifty four games in a season. What are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? He's never, never done anything here. There were oh, eleven. Man. There was there were five wins away from a, a, the, the finals. What are you doing? <laughs> you know. Oh, that's so real. Um. Oh, another topic, real quick. So I saw you got into this with Jeremy. So now that we're likely trading Carmelo, um. Probably going to hand it over to Chris Depps and Tim Hardaway to run the offense. See how that goes. But how do you feel about, you know, tanking as a strategy? You know, because you're going to have Tim Hardaway, uh, age 25, (laughs) trying to probably score 20 points a game, doing his best. Chris Depps going to try to lead an offense for the first time. Uh, It's probably not going to be a very good team, but I don't know if it's going to be top five worst. So where do you fall on the spectrum of they should just give up and go for that? Uh, whoever's number one this year, or versus, you know, try try to make something happen. So, it's funny that you say I went at it with Jeremy. Real quick, you don't like Jeremy, right? Or you object to some of his Oh, definitely, writings, yes. Right? Yes, definitely. I hope all of you guys know that. Okay. If, if <laughs> he doesn't know me Ethan, yet, I hope Ethan by the end of this. Back. Yeah. yeah. Good, good. Yeah. Um. So, my thought with tanking, I don't think – it's a 100% foolproof plan that if you lose a ton of games and get a high draft pick, you're going to be successful. You look at the two teams that made it to the finals this year. The Cavs built their team through... Anybody tells me that Kyrie Irving was the number one overall pick, the pick that was one that got the number one overall pick that year was the Clippers pick that the Cavs had, which had a 0.01% chance and to being number one overall and lucked out in the draft lottery. So as far as I'm concerned, the Cavaliers built that that team through free agency. Mm -hmm. The Warriors, Steph Curry was the seven pick. Klay Thompson was the 11 pick. Draymond Green was the 35 pick. They signed Kevin Durant and everybody else in free agency. Mm -hmm. So neither of those teams tanked. The only foolproof plan that I've – or the only team that I saw built their team by tanking or through high draft picks, was the Thunder because they built it in three straight years going Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, James Harden with, was it the two, the four, and the three? Yeah. So I under like I understood that. But like you look at the Sixers and this whole trust the process and they're really nicknaming this team the Feds. And it's a garbage I, I just, nickname. 
they haven't won anything. It's been six years. They, they've been tanking for six years. That's supposed to be a plan I can get behind? So you're telling me right now, it's 2017. The Knicks are, what, in year three of a tank or a rebuild? Mm-hmm. So I'm supposed to say in 2020, they're going to be good. So what, should I just not watch basketball for the next three years? Yeah, right. So I just I don't think it's a guaranteed plan. Plus, you then have to nail that pick. Like, two things. You have to nail that pick. Like, the Sixers. Thank you. Took Michael Carter Williams. Yeah, he's year of the year, but where is he now? They took Jaleel Oka for number three, but right now he's a backup and mentioned in zero talks of their core. Um, what tanking guarantees you is just a high draft pick, and you could still end up like the Suns. They tanked correctly and they fell out of the top three, and who knows what Justin Jackson's going to be. Mm-hmm. And my objection to fans that root for tanking is more just that I don't root for my team to lose ever. I understand if they're bad and they're going to lose, that's fine. But I can't – like, there were Knicks fans that got upset when Melo hit that game winner against yep. the Sixers last year. Like, these idiots don't even know how to lose. Well, guess what? If the Knicks had won one more game, they would have had the same number of wins as the Kings. So, you know, if they won two more games, they would have more wins than the Kings, which meant they would have been the eighth spot in the draft lottery, which meant the Kings, who – their spot moved up to three. Yep. The Knicks would have ended up with the third pick instead. So what does tanking guarantee? It's a lottery. It's completely random. And then the draft is also just as random. You don't know if the number one pick is going to be as good as Tim Duncan or LeBron James or as bad as Anthony Bennett and Michael Olowokandi. So that's my thoughts on tanking. I just don't think it guarantees anything. You're my hero. I just want you to know that. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I love th- I love I love this guy. I, I love me, this I got guy. Into it. When I did that episode with Jeremy, it was just as just as heated, and he's very like he's very smart. That's what I gotta say. Jeremy, like I was saying, like we did a podcast yesterday, but so I mean, I don't know when this is coming out, but it's the episode where we talk about Tim Hardaway Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and that signing, and I just mentioned, okay, could they sign Ron for like a one year, five million dollar deal? And he went. Well, actually, we have to be 3.1 million because of the veterans' minimum. But you're right; they could sign him. It's like you yeah. couldn't just let me have like small contract. You couldn't just let that slide. You had to be precise because you're such a capologist. Like he is very smart with numbers and analytics, and let helps you to look at the game from a different perspective. I just don't think you can. But like, there's you don't always need to have numbers involved in this. It just can just be gut feeling and generic. And it's fine, but he's he is one of the smartest Knicks fans that are out there. So. I feel that. I feel that. And yeah, like yeah. I said, like I, I'll disagree with him, and with everything he reads, and I'll be here shaking my fist. But I respect it at the end of the day that he puts in that much work <laughs> and he does do a lot of research. So I'll say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, but he's not th- just trolling, you know. Exactly. He's yeah. Good. He's good. He's, he's sm- smart person. Smart person. We'll we'll, we'll give him that. Yeah, we'll yeah, give yeah. him that. But um, okay. So last thing before we go. I have my roommate, nice to me, co-host, is a Lakers fan. They just got Lonzo Ball. If you had to take a guess, because <laughs> we're probably going to end up betting on this again. If you had to take a guess between who has more wins now and who has more wins in five years, who would you say between the Knicks and the Lakers? Oh, in five years? Like right, right now, like this season, who's going to have more wins? And then in five years, who's going to have more wins? So this season, the um, wow, uh, the Knicks will because they don't play in the Western Conference. True. Um, 
in five years, if all that I hear and all these NBA rumors are true, then the Lakers will because Paul George is going there, LeBron James is going there, <laughs> Russell Westbrook's going there, Michael Jordan, uh, Anthony there. Davis is going there. Michael Jordan's gonna come out of retirement and go on the bench and be their sixth man. The ghost of Wilt Chamberlain is gonna go back there. Uh, Jerry West is gonna leave the Clippers, go be their player coach. Like everything I've heard is that the Lakers are getting all of these stars this this banana boat team is going to try and form in la <laughs> even if they just get two of those guys they'll be a championship contender to to compete with the war that's funny so I, I i'll say the lakers in five years and it's solely because i know that good things aren't allowed to happen to the knicks anymore so <laughs> this banana boat team could never form here even though we already have one of them you know? yeah right <laughs> so Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you for coming through, Andrew Claudio. I appreciate it. I'm uh, glad we can finally do this, guys. Definitely, yeah. right? So tell the people where they can find you. All right. So I'm on Twitter at Claudio underscore GSN. I'm on uh, the Nothing But Knicks podcast, the official New York Knicks podcast of Gotham Sports Network. You can find it on iTunes, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher Radio, any place that podcasts are heard or sold or whatever um, i'm also on gothamsn.com you can find some of the right articles that i write as well as all of our other podcasts um i'm also just more of a fun thing for the summer uh, brian wojtanik our rangers guy and i have started a movie podcast where oh, we crazy. just talk about movies yeah it's not even gonna it's not gonna be this snobby like oh the the pacing was great and the cinematography <laughs> No, we don't use big words like that. It's just, yo, I saw this movie. It was incredible. Let's talk about it. Like last night, I saw Baby Driver, and it was awesome, and it's worth all the hype, and everybody should go see it if you haven't by the time this podcast comes out. Um, I that That's how we're going to talk about movies. So Crazy. It's called Post Credits. It's also on iTunes and all those other services. So a lot of good things going on over at Gotham Sports Network. I appreciate all of you for checking it out. Oh, definitely, and uh, thank you for coming through. Definitely going to check out that new podcast. Uh, my co-host, where can they find you? Uh, Evan's lame. <laughs> I was kind of a bystander on this podcast. I was just learning about the Knicks. <laughs> I was going to say, like, did you leave? Like, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed like you guys were, like, having a good back and forth. I just was like, uh, you know. It's his Twitter handle. Knicks. He's pretty lame is what it is. Yeah, and uh, a got lot it, of Knicks it. qualifiers. Well, thank you, <laughs> well, well, thank you, Other Evan, for having me on the show today. <laughs> no problem at all. You can find me at Sunday Saline on Twitter and Instagram. And that's a wrap for today. Blackness confirmed. You got soap.